Welcome to Grace Capital Church Podcast, broadcasting from our Pembroke campus. It's my privilege and my joy and my honor to be here this morning and to share God's word with you. And uh, let me pray to start us. God, I thank you for this family. God, I thank you for this church community. God, I thank you for each person here. God, I thank you that you have brought us together in such a way that we as a community might reflect who you are to this broken world. God, I pray that you would ignite in us a passion. God, that you would ignite in us a fire. God, that you would show us how we as the community of God's people might go out and transform this world. God, I pray that you would speak. God, I pray that the words from my lips would not be my own, but would be yours. God, I pray that you would open our ears to hear you. God, that you would soften our heart to receive the word that you have for us. God, that as we leave and go forth from this place, we might be changed. That we might become more like you in the way that we think and the way that we speak in the way that we live. So God, take this scripture and illuminate it and print it on our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. God has brought each one of us together as a community, as a family, for a purpose, for a mission, for a mission that is so much bigger than any one person or any one community could achieve even on our best day. And he has brought and selected each one of you to be part of this group right here in this church family. And we together are called to be on this huge mission. In the book of Acts, Jesus gives us a glimpse. He gives us a charge of what this mission is. So as we start this series, Supernatural, I want to give the context of why we need to be functioning in spiritual gifts. And that's going to be our starting place. And from there, we're going to go to 1 Corinthians where we're going to see and look at several of the revelatory spiritual gifts this morning here. And then tonight we're going to come back and we're going to dig even deeper. And we're going to see that God wants to use us as a community for this purpose. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1 and we'll frame this. Acts chapter 1 verse 7. And he said to them, I still hear pages turning. Oh, by the way, this is my pitch. I I still like these. I don't know. Just something about it. Man, I do. I even got a new one for you guys. It's nice and shiny. I can... Okay, bring it in. Verse 7. It is not for you to know... It is not for you to know times or season that the Father has fixed by His own authority. But you will receive power. 
when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You see, we as the people of God have a calling on our life, a calling that is so much greater than who we are, that God has called us to be his witnesses. What? Come on. The God of the universe, the God that is able to speak the entire universe into existence is calling us as little specks of clay to witness to who he is. Even on our best day, even on all of our best days, we are insufficient in our own ability to live out this calling that God has placed upon our lives. But, but, he says this, that you will receive power from on high. Now this word power in the, group, in the Greek is dunamis. It's the same word that, it, that we get dynamite from. That God gives us extraordinary power for Christ-exalting ministry. Now, before I was a pastor, I was a science teacher. I taught middle school science and I taught high school science. And part of it was teaching physics. And in physics, the word power implies a change in the universe. Power is actually a rate. By definition, power equals work over time. In God's economy, God's power equals God's kingdom works in God's time. So catch this now. God has put in us a deposit of his kingdom power so that we might go out and do kingdom works in God's time in order to bear witness to who God is. Dynamite. In a world filled with false witnesses, in a world that not only misrepresents God, but misrepresents our purpose here on this planet, we need more than just words, human words, when we speak about the divine King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator and sustainer. We need God's power. How does this play out? You see, we have this calling and he put that deposit in there. How does it play out? What does it look like in real life? What does it look like for each one of us to begin to function in the power that he has deposited with inside each one of us? That is what this series is about. And it's gonna be explosive. I need water. Come on. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul, in speaking to the Corinthians, a people who believed in self-sufficiency, a people in a culture a lot like ours, which says that I can do this on my own, 
goes into a, a teaching on the purpose of the spiritual gifts, and he gives a partial list of some of them. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts. This word spiritual gifts in Greek is pneumatikos. It implies that we have something within us that supersedes natural ability, that is over and above what we could do in our own strength. By definition, pneumatikas means supernatural, that God has, depart, has deposited within us supernatural abilities to reveal who God is to a world that desperately needs him. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers. Now this is important. That we can have all the good gifts in the world from God. But if we're not together. If we're not a family. How can we possibly represent a God so massive and amazing. Who is in and of himself a community. It would be like having a, one of those old television screens with the pixels and getting up really close and just looking at one pixel. That is what it's like when we function out on our own, outside of brotherhood, outside of a united community. So for these gifts, for these supernatural deposits within us, for it to show the whole picture of who God is, we have to function together in a community. That these gifts are for the body. That these gifts are for building up the body. So that we together might become more like Christ increasingly. So that when those come in here or when we go out there, when we talk, when we interact, that they might see Jesus and not us. His words, his ways, his actions. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is a curse. And no one can ever say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. This is another prerequisite for these gifts to be effective. That each one of us needs to submit ourselves to the Lordship of Christ. That these gifts aren't about us. They're not for our glory, they're for his glory. When we talk about baptism in the Holy Spirit, when we talk about baptism in water, what are we saying? We're saying that I am dead to my old life and I'm now living to Christ. When we talk about baptism of the Holy Spirit, we're saying, I'm dead to my own abilities, and I'm going to be empowered by yours. That he is Lord through us. That's important. Because we go back to our own abilities and our own strengths, and that always falls short. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 4. Now there are varieties of gifts, 
but the same Spirit. This word gifts here is actually charisma. It's where we get the word charismatic. We're a charismatic church. Charis means grace. Charismatic means grace enablement. That these gifts that God gives us, these supernatural abilities, are grace enablements. They're freely given to us. They're freely given to all of us. And they all originate from his presence inside of us. This message is for everyone here. This is for all of us. That if you're a believer and you've submitted your life to Christ, and he's your Lord and Savior, he has breathed his spirit inside of you. And that spirit has given you grace enablement, charisma which enables us because whenever he uses you, note this, in this chapter, it's always you plural. It's like down south, you know how they say all y'all? Okay, if you properly translate the you in this passage, it's all y'all. That's key because we have to do this together. You see, he's given us varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, meaning that the gifts that I have complement the gifts that you have, and the gifts that you have complements the gifts that you have, and together we represent a complete gift set so that people can better see who Jesus is when they come into this community. That each one is essential to representing an infinite God, which still blows me away that God calls us little finite pieces of clay to do that. But remember, he's given us power, extraordinary power. And he's given it to each one of us. And together, man, that's powerful. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. You know, Jesus came to serve, not to be served. As we talk about these gifts and we say, man, I want this. Man, I want that gift. Man, I want to prophesy. Man, I want to, have a, I want to be a teacher. I want to heal people. Let's start cleaning floors first. Come on. Let's be willing to vacuum carpets first. Let's be willing to wash feet first. Because the greatest in the kingdom of God is the servant of all. So our heart going into this series needs to be in the right place. That this is about diaconin. This is about service. This is about being empowered to meet the needs of others outside of you. This is about a different form of Christianity that our country is used to. This isn't about me and God. This is about us. This is about me hearing from God for you. This is about me meeting your needs and about you meeting my needs so that we as the community of God might be built up to display who God is to a world that is broken, that is fallen. It says that God who empowers them all in everyone. That sounds like all, doesn't it? All in everyone. This is for you. This series is for you. That's awesome. Here's the best part of this section. It says, to each 
is given, a manifestation of the Spirit. This word manifestation is an awesome word. It's the word phenerosis. It means to make active evidence of a latent principle. In other words, it's to make visible what is hidden inside of you. You see, God said that the kingdom of heaven is inside of us. And he has likened it unto a mustard seed. He has put a little deposit on the inside. And what is on the inside isn't otherwise seen by others on the outside. But when we start to operate in the spirits and we begin to manifest what God has put inside of you, it is like a spotlight of the kingdom of God that comes out from within you, that he has put light. And Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they might see your good works and give what? Give glory to God. So we are to manifest that deposit of the spirit of the kingdom of God, which he has placed in the midst of all y'all. Now, there are different ways of manifesting this. I don't even think it's meant to be an exhaustive list what's in the Bible. I think there's more. I think there's lots of different spiritual gifts. Um, But at the very least, here's some of them. Exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy, prophecy, service, teaching, Administration, apostle, discernment, faith, healings, helps, knowledge, miracles, tongues, interpretation of tongues, wisdom, evangelism, pastor, celibacy, hospitality, martyrdom, missionary, voluntary poverty. May I add worship leaders, which isn't in there, or builders, because the builders of the tabernacle were spirit-filled. Now, we could spend all year going over these, couldn't we? I mean, this whole series could take the entire year easily. We could do this all year. But we're going to look at three today. And I don't have a lot of time to go over these, so you're going to have to come back tonight. Because it's going to be sweet. So the three that we're going to look at today are revelatory gifts. The word revelatory means to shine light on what is hidden. And what is not seen. To reveal. To pull back the curtain and give a glimpse of. What might not otherwise be seen. Verse 8 says, For to the one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. And to another the utterance of knowledge. According to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. This morning, we're going to look at three. We're going to look at prophecy, word of wisdom, and word of knowledge. And I want to start by just giving you a little bit of overview of each one. Very brief. And then I want to look at them in context. I want to see them functioning. So we'll be going to John 4 for that. So prophecy, according to Paul, is one of those spiritual gifts that we should all be seeking. Because it's one of those gifts where God speaks and then 
or reveals to us and we speak. Throughout the Bible, the prophets have played an important role in bringing the people of God back to a right relationship with him. Because the truth is, it's not easy to live out this Christian life. We all struggle. We all need encouragement. We all need somebody to sometimes pull us back in. We're like sheep who chase after little shiny objects that sometimes lead, cli- lead to a cliff. So we need the shepherd to come back with the crook and, and bring us back. In the Old Testament, prophets were seen as the mouthpiece of God. Their words were inspired by God. That he spoke through them. They were a conduit. Now, it didn't disengage their mind. They were involved in this process, but their words were inerrant. So much so that when they're written down in Scripture, it's infallible. That this this word is without error. And the prophets were called by God to bring the people back to right relationship with him. We often think of prophecy as telling the future, as foretelling. They weren't telling the future. There were few instances where prophets would reveal a little bit of God's redemptive plan that he would send Jesus in the future. So maybe in those instances, there was a future element or that God might exile his people. But it was always conditional for those or most of the time conditional. The main thrust of the Old Testament prophet was foretelling, was speaking forth what God had already spoken. That God had entered into a relationship with his people, the Israelites, and he had called them on mission. And that they were to live in such a way that revealed the glory of God to the nations. But if they got off task, that would disqualify them from that mission. So the prophet carried the burden of going to the people and pulling them back to a right relationship with God. So much so, (coughs) their burden was so heavy and the heart of the prophet, except for maybe Jonah, was so loving that Moses, when the people of God went astray in Exodus, he said to the Lord, may you blot out my name from the book of life. So the prophets have this burden of revealing who God is and how to live for them. And calling back the people of God to be on the mission of following him. And for most of the major prophets in the Old Testament, they started out this prophetic calling with receiving a revelation from God. That they went to the mountain and saw who God is. And then they realized who we are. And they had this burden 
to call people back to right belief and right practice. Orthodoxy and orthopraxis. If you could boil down their message into one sentence, it would be, God is sufficient. Because the main thing that drew people away from God is that they were looking for other things in the world to replace God, God's supplements. Their God was too small. They didn't believe that God was sufficient enough to meet the demands of the situations before them in life. And the prophets would continually go to people of God and say, God is sufficient. God is sufficient. God is sufficient. Words of knowledge and words of wisdom are somewhat similar spiritual gifts. A word of knowledge is getting a glimpse of what an all-knowing, omniscient God knows. But he shows you things that you wouldn't otherwise know. So that you might move forward in the mission of following him in this world. The gift of word of wisdom, wisdom is applied knowledge. God showed me it this way, that in the Old Testament, the people of God would follow this pillar of fire. God's presence, it would lead them forward. A word of wisdom is like having a glimpse of where the pillar of fire is going. And how to move forward in life. It's one of the major challenges. I work a lot with college students. They're always asking, man, what am I going to do with my life? How can I follow him forward? And a word of wisdom is reminding the people of God that God is sufficient to lead us forward. A word of knowledge is reminding the people of God that God is sufficient to redeem our past. There's a passage I'm just going to share briefly in John 4 where Jesus goes out to this well and there's a Samaritan woman, somebody who has a little bit of understanding of who God is, but they need a revelation of who God is. And he encounters this woman who is longing, whose soul is spiritually dry, who needs to drink from that faucet. And he goes to this woman and he says, give me a drink. And then the woman says, how is it that you, a Jew, asked for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? Jesus answered, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. See, Jesus gives her a glimpse of the sufficiency of God. That God is able to meet you in any circumstance of life and supply your need. That he is water for our soul to quench that unquenchable thirst 
that we seek to quench with things of this world that leads us off to following false gods, Baals, Baal, basketball, football, baseball. Idols in this world that we seek to quench that thirst. That concept of living water, he's quoting from Ezekiel 4.3. He's using scripture to prophetically speak to this woman. When, the, when she heard that word, that living water, something came alive in her soul. And she realized that God was speaking to her through Jesus. And it's what she had been yearning for. And she says, woman, the, the woman said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw water with. Because she, she didn't catch it right away. And the well is deep. Where do you get this living water? That's what I want. That's what I've been looking for. Jesus said, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. I am sufficient. That God is sufficient. The water that I give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And then Jesus applies a word of knowledge here to show that God understands her circumstance, that God sees the barrier that she feels between herself and God, that she had been living in adultery. And there was probably heaps and piles of guilt within her. And she probably felt that God had turned away and is not seeing her anymore. But Jesus says to her, I see, I know. Go, call your husband and come here. God gives a word of knowledge. He reads her mail. And he shows her that God sees and still loves her. And at the end of this story, this interaction, it's implied, I believe, that she finds faith. Because she goes away telling people about Jesus. She goes off on mission. God has a mission for us at Grace Capital. God has called us to restore people and towns and cities. And we're a ragtag group trying to live out a divine mission. But God has given us divine empowerment, dunamis, so that we, all of us, all y'all, so that we as a community can go out and reveal who Jesus is, like taking all those pictures, pixels from an old television screen and placing them together so that when they're together, it reveals a picture of who Jesus is that Jesus is sufficient, that Jesus is sufficient to redeem and restore your past, that Jesus is sufficient to lead you into the future, that Jesus is sufficient to work through us, to carry out this mission. Who's in?
Come back tonight, and we're going to learn more. And we're going to practice. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grace Capital Church Podcast. If you'd like to know more about this podcast and the mission that we have in New England, or if this podcast has been a blessing to you and you would like to support this ministry financially, please visit us online at gccnh.com 